Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'm excited today because I have my good friend, Lenore Cantor, with me. Um, she is the president of Launch Warrior. Um, she is a um, growth leadership, no, growth consultant and leadership coach. I'm saying that so wrong. Um, she's going to hate me. And she works with companies and individuals trying to help them grow their businesses through their leadership. She's also a Radical Aliveness certified practitioner, which gets its roots from Core Energetics. And her favorite color at the moment, which felt important to me, is fuchsia, um, which is a purple for the guys who are listening. Um, I'm assuming that that's purple. Um, welcome, Lenore. It's good to have you. Thanks, Bob. It's great to be here with you. Well, I'm excited because I probably told you a little bit about this podcast, but it's always really just interesting to hear different people's perspectives in life choices that they make, um, the career paths that they choose. And, you know, I'm curious what got you into uh, helping people launch their businesses. Yeah, so I uh, came out of the corporate world, which was a um, big influence for me. I was the first person in my family not to be working on their own. And so for 20 years, I was involved in launching over 100 products and services um, across a wide range of financial institutions. And did you, and like, what got you into the corporate world? It sounds like the rest of your family were a lot of entrepreneurs. Well, yeah, my dad was a dentist. He had his own practice. My mom was a lawyer. She had her own firm. My brother was a photographer. And, you know, and, and my grandfather was a doctor, you know, so I came right. out of a family of independent professionals. And I originally wanted to go into the not-for-profit world because I was very, you know, sort of mission-focused mission and wanted to help people. And then somewhere along the way, I decided to go to business school and, uh, you know, business school helps you learn a lot about money and you're surrounded by folks that are very focused on finance and consulting. And um, so when I was, I got my MBA at Columbia and coming out of there, you know, I ended up going to a bank. <laughs> so that's, you know, how I went down that route. And um, Yeah. Did your parents have an influence in saying, don't do that, do that, we support whatever you do, we don't support whatever you do? Was there any messaging from the family? Well, it's sort of funny you ask. Um, so in my family, because there were so many professionals, they initially encouraged me to be a doctor. And then I didn't really want to be a doctor. So they said, okay, well, you could be a dentist. And then when I didn't want to be a dentist, it was natural that they wanted me to be a lawyer. <laughs> so I said, I said, you know, those really don't, you know, and actually I did try. I think I took the um, LSAT and then I really was not inspired by that. So I certainly, um, when I went to undergraduate, I was liberal arts. I didn't envision going to business school, but somewhere along the way that just, I don't know, that path kind of emerged and. Um, it went in a direction that I, I couldn't have anticipated. And uh, I was certainly not typical for business school at the time. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Did your parents, um, like growing up, if you think back, were there any money messages, beliefs around money 
that your parents had or is there anything that they told you to be wary of or like are there any just memories of things they said or didn't say well you know it's really interesting um I guess for me, you know, the, the good news was that my parents actually were quite responsible with their money. Um, so I felt like I learned a lot of good habits. I actually worked from a young age. I remember having jobs pretty much from high school on. I always worked. I worked when I was in business school. Um, so like having a strong work ethic and earning my own money was really important for me. There was no way coming out of college that I was gonna actually move in with my parents. I was gonna live and support myself. And yeah, um, yeah so I was fortunate in that sense. Um, the, the negative belief that I took away was that money is power though. So money I definitely power. had that feeling of like, okay, well, you're only successful if you have a lot of money. Like that is the definition of success. Mm -hmm. And then of course I went to Wall Street where I was surrounded by people who only defined um, success as money. So that, and, and that actually was a disconnect for me because I felt like, you know, the right thing to do is to help people, not just to make money at the expense of, you know, hurting people. Yeah. Which was what I perceived um, many people felt. Yeah. And do you remember your first money memory? You started working young, but do you remember the first time you went sweet, like 20 bucks for the bank savings account? Or do you remember anything like that where... You know, I think the thing I remember most and it's kind of funny is just, you know, I, when I was in college, I worked in a, um, a restaurant. I was a, a waitress in Philadelphia. And I remember like really being conscious of how much people tipped me and uh, okay. some were not very generous and some were generous and like, you know, really being very aware of that. And when you got a bad tip, did you ever have bad thoughts about the people? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually do remember feeling that sometimes the people who were really quite obnoxious were often the cheapest. And it was sort of like, like, really? Like, not only are you not giving me a tip, but you were really unpleasant to be with, too. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But you never I actually one time I was in a restaurant and they tipped the service was really bad. And I told them ahead of time, can we please sit at this table because we're going to order a lot of food and I'm going to spend a lot of money and I, I'm a really good tipper. But we were young. And so they put us at this really teeny table and then sat a table of six down that just ordered coffee. Yeah. And so I didn't leave a tip because I had spent like 200 bucks. And they came running out after me and they said, you didn't leave a tip. I said, yes, I did. We left a penny. <laughs> That's all you deserve. And yeah. you, you have to give us a tip. I'm like, no, I don't. And I always normally tip that. I never yeah. forget though. That guy just ran out and goes, you owe me a tip. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I get it. So did you get an allowance? You know, it's very funny. I must have, but I really don't remember whether I did. I mean, I felt like I was fortunate in that I always had enough for what I needed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> do, do you remember having a savings account as a kid? Like opening up I a do, savings account? I do not. Okay. I just care. I just remember when I got my first savings passbook in, you know, 1817 yeah. when I was a kid. Um, it was great. To, it was so exciting to have the book and then you'd go into the bank and they'd 
add the interest um, pre-internet. Oh my gosh, that's really great. <laughs> yeah. So it's and what about? Are you aware of any like currently? Are you aware of any money blocks that you currently have, or any beliefs that haven't been serving you? Um, well, I, I you know I share the reference to Wall Street because this is one that I have spent quite a bit of time working on, um, which was, I, you know, I started my business five years ago and I really, <clears throat> I had some bad experience, experiences with former clients. Um, so first of all, I came out of an industry that was, um, you know, known for not always doing the most ethical things, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, billions, the whole, you know, I, I identify with that quite strongly. Um, and so, and then I, you know, I started my own business. I had like five clients coming out of the gate and then I remembered like some of them didn't pay me. And I was like, what? Like here I'm working hard for you. And then, and they were really, um, not great to work with. And I remember feeling like, ugh. and I, and I, and so I started having like real conflicts around working with, um, financial services. And then I, I also had this belief that people with a lot of money are evil. <laughs> I specifically <laughs> thought that. Um, and, you know, so that, that took me a lot of time to be conscious of that. Like there was this part of me that was like, now I'm on my own. I can help people. I should help everyone. People, you know, and I, and there was a way that I was like giving um, my services away and maybe not um, valuing them as much. And I see this as um, an issue that a lot of people who are on their own can often face. So I, you know, that's something that I'm aware of and it's a constant challenge to, um, to deal with. And I also would say this, I, I don't know if this is unique for women, but I think you know, like I was thinking back and, and, and thinking about money stuff for this call. You know, I got my first job out of business school and I, there were like six of us in the training program and I discovered that I was being paid significantly less than, you know, at least one, if not several of the guys that I actually had more experience than. And that was really annoying, you know. What, I mean, can, do you remember, like if you think back to that right now, was it annoying? Was it disappointing? I mean, like, what are some of the things that went through your head realizing just because you're a woman, you were going to get less money, even though you had more experience? Well, it felt really unfair. And I remember being annoyed. And then there was a way that I was like, just grateful that I got a job. And, you know, um, but I will say this, um, I, I learned from that experience. And I was fortunate later in my career, um, when I left in the company I've been at for many years to make sure that I negotiated to get, you know, what I felt I deserved. But I, I think there was an extended period where perhaps I didn't earn as much as I might have, because when you start at a higher base, you know, you, it goes up from there. And when you start lower, you're sort of disadvantaged. So, right. you know, I certainly tried to make up for it, but, um, but I think that there are these unfair things that happen when you don't know that you should be negotiating or asking for more. And, and even if I had, you know, I, I think there was a fear like I'm not going to get the job. Right. Right. 
you're somewhat expendable possibly. Yeah. Like I don't want to be a troublemaker. You, you know, that right. those were some of the thoughts that yeah. went through my mind. That's Lenore. She asked for what she wants. <laughs> well, actually the ironic thing was um, I was actually quite fortunate coming out of business school. I had like four job offers. I had worked at AT&T and I got like three offers from them. And um, so the interesting thing was the bank and, and financial services in general was going to pay me almost twice. I, I don't know. It was something like 50% more than any of the jobs at AT&T. So I was already like, wow, I'm ahead of the game. Like right. I'm already earning more. And then, so I, I think I had already accepted the job. And then I discovered that, you know, this one guy in particular, I, I think he was going to get, I think he got like 10 or 15,000 more than me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, I do see that a lot. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it's still the case. It's still the case. I mean, I hopefully that's starting to change, um, but I do still see that quite a bit. Um, I'll actually never forget there was a woman who worked for me. She followed me um, in my career, and then she was, um, I, I'm, you know, she was looking to work for me, and she negotiated for her salary, and I was like, how dare you? Like she was really tough about it. And I remember being like, huh. And, uh, but, but then I, then I was like, wow, wow. Where'd she get those, you know, balls? Like it was, it was sort of interesting. And I was like, you know, it makes a difference, right? If you stand up for, you know, you have to be worth it and you have to be, you know, you, you need enough leverage to know that, they actually want you. But I will say this, I mean, I actually also had a position where I negotiated and I was kind of tough. I was asking a lot of questions. I don't think it was specifically around the money, but um, this company actually withdrew the offer. So they had made an offer to me. And then because I went back and I asked some questions, they took the offer away. And, uh, you know, I was initially like really shocked and disappointed. But in retrospect, and, and, and shortly after, I was relieved because I, I felt that the, this guy I would have worked for was really difficult. And yeah. so there was a way unconsciously that I had um, uncovered something without even realizing it. So that was interesting. Oh, that's cool. I was wondering if you were going to take away from it that if you ask questions, you get punished. Um, no, I think what I did learn was there's a natural rhythm and um, a, a way to negotiate that is in good faith and, and how you ask and when you ask and why all matter. So it was more um, understanding, you know, sort of the rhythm and what was appropriate. And since they had already extended the offer, going back with questions about certain things, I should have gotten that stuff up front. So that was, yeah. you know, that was sort of my takeaway from that particular experience. So one of the things that I heard you say earlier when you went, when you launched your own uh, uh, launch warrior, um, <laughs> that you wanted to go out and help people. Um, yeah. And so can you say more about that? Like you wanted to help people. What, like, why did you want to help people? And, like what really like and and why this vehicle well it's really interesting i mean th this is actually a much deeper question than you realize i mean it's about like life purpose and stuff mm -hmm. but i i really believe like well you know 
we all have natural gifts. I think that my talents include being a problem solver and I have an ability to see things that other people often don't. And I, and I pick up a lot of this stuff intuitively, but obviously I've got over 20 years of work experience. So I, you know, it's not like I'm coming out of this, like I have a lot of expertise that I bring. Um, but I, I really, you know, when everyone has a natural inclination, when I talk with people, I want to know, Oh, so what do you want? And then I want to help them get that. Right. <laughs> and that's just the kind of conversation I like to have. So, yeah. you know, I, I, because it comes naturally, naturally to me, that's what I like to do. And, and why shouldn't I do that all the time and get paid for it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And have you found it pretty rewarding? Oh my God. I love having my own business. It's really satisfying. You know, I won't lie. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, And I feel like I have to wear a lot of different hats and um, it's certainly been challenging at times, but I'm a creative person and I really love building things. And so there's something about being able to create my own destiny and really, um, yeah, just having a lot of, independence and flexibility and really doing whatever I want. And I just love that. That's really satisfying. And I do get to help people and, you know, and choose my clients in a way. What's the one, what would say, what would you say is the hardest thing about having your own business? Well, I think what I find challenging and I'm sure many can relate to this is the business development and the sales, you know, trying, maintaining constant outreach and and making sure there's new business coming in because it's a constant balance between working with the existing clients that you have, running your business day to day and bringing in new business and managing that process is, um, can be challenging. So let me ask you this. So I I heard through the grapevine that you're going to be co-facilitating a, weekend of uh, financial confrontation and all kinds of wonderful things in New York City coming up the first week of December. And I hear that your co-host, co-facilitator might actually be me. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait for you to come to New York. It's going to be amazing. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm really excited. And like yourself, I like helping people when it comes to this kind of stuff. This is an area where I feel really strongly and I feel like that there's been so much shame around money and so much embarrassment that we're all so busy trying to present instead of actually being off you know, being authentic. And one of the things that I've discovered when I work with people one-on-one as a financial counselor is that um, a lot of people think they're the only one that didn't get yeah. the money, the money download. And there's a lot of shame and a lot of, self-worth issues, self-worthiness. Um, and so I'm really excited to like get to explore this with you. Yeah, I am so thrilled about this. And um, so, you know, we're calling the workshop Radical Abundance. And what I'm really loving is that I think there is a lot of connection between how we feel about money and how that impacts other aspects of our life. How um, willing are we to receive? How comfortable are we giving? And I think that it has to do with this whole sense of 
flow and you know how comfortable are we just being with that energy of of sharing and connection and you know are we stingy are we generous with our time with our love so i just feel like this is going to be so powerful yeah it's interesting sometimes i'll have conversations i actually remember a conversation i was having with my editor one time about money and she said money's not emotional you know you're i I don't understand where you're coming from this is so silly not everybody uh puts any emotion around money it's just money and so i said to her okay um that's cool but when you have lunch with your dad with your mom and your sister who pays and she said oh well when i have lunch with my dad he pays because i'm his little princess when i have lunch with my mom (laughs) I pay because I feel like she was like abandoned. And so I want to take care of her. Oh, and with my sister, no, we're equals. We both pay. And then she went, Oh crap. Okay. Yes. I do have, <laughs> I do have different values placed on who I'm eating lunch with and making yeah. different, like who pays or not. So I just found it like, like to me, that's such an example of like even something as simple as who's paying for lunch or am I going to buy lunch or am I going to bring my lunch? And well, if I bring yeah. my lunch, are the people at work going to talk about me? Cause I brought my lunch you know? And so like we make choices every day, hundreds of times a day that impact our finances. Yeah. I think the money stuff runs deep. And I actually, I was thinking about this too. It relates to communication. Like how comfortable are you, you know, talking about money and talking about difficult issues and you know, money is a perfect example for all these other things that, are you know challenging to deal with in our lives absolutely and it's interesting i work with a lot of couples and um as and in my tax practice sometimes Mm. the the conversation starts with okay we have a bet and you're going to decide who's going to win dinner and you know pick me pick me i'm like oh my god right because they're and it's interesting sometimes where there's they'll say tell tell my spouse that they're wrong and and i'll often ask them okay, I will tell you my answer, but are you guys on the same team or are you trying to get a win over each other? And then they're like, oh my God, oh my God, no, we're we're, we're together. I'm like, okay, I'm just checking, right? Because it's so easy for some people to get into a competition with their spouses, who makes more, who gets to make the decisions. Oh yeah, wow. Well, that gets back to the money is control issue. I mean, I definitely see that as being, you know, money is power. Yeah, it's so interesting that you said that. Um, I think in my world growing up, um, things were conditional. If I behave a certain way, I get rewarded. Yeah. And then if I don't, I get punished. And so it wasn't, you know, it took me a while to realize, oh, in my family, money was used sometimes as a way to solve problems instead of actually having the conversation. Oh, I strongly relate to that one. <laughs> Just throw money at it. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so and it's, the, threat of, the threat of withholding money. The threat of withholding. Yeah. It is. And I think that's why some people stay in relationships um, yes, when they become unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. It is. Um, what are some of the things that you're hoping that people will take away from this weekend that's coming up? In New York? Well, to me, I, I think a lot of the work that we're going to be doing is going to be deeply related to awareness. So I hope people can get lots of insight about 
things that may be going on that they weren't always conscious about. So uncovering those unconscious beliefs that may be running the show and the family patterns that we alluded to. And then I think there's this other element uh, related to self-awareness, which is self-worth. And if people can really tap into how do they feel about their own value and what do they value and how do they want their um, relationship with money to reflect that, I think that would be amazing. I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, and I see it happen so many times with people not asking for what they want or getting paid what they what they may deserve and um yeah so i just feel like there is a powerful opportunity for change yeah no that's i i I agree with all of that i think the big thing for me is really to like you said uncover the unconscious or what i like to call the undervoice the one that's Mm. whispering in our ear yeah that's great i love that I, I've done a couple exercises where I get people to say, you know, I want lots of money and I want this and that. And like, they'll feel it and then really get into it. And then I'll ask them, is there another voice underneath saying that it's, you don't really deserve it. It's not true. And it doesn't happen for everybody, but a lot of people will actually, they'll get excited. And then I ask the question there. Like, oh, Oh, it just like, and so that's the voice that I, I want to discover um, because yeah. it's secretly guiding us um, in a place where we don't realize it's taking us. Um, yes. And I've often been accused of being very intentional in my words or in my choices of things. And I actually uh, take that as a compliment because I actually work very hard to be intentional in my choices. Not that I'm there a hundred percent, but I yes. really work to um, have awareness of what's happening and whether I'm resisting something or feeling the needs of self-sabotage and and then at least I can deal with it because it's out in the open. Yeah, I um I totally agree. In fact, I have to tell you, I'm so excited about this because I've been leading a series of leadership workshops and I told this group that I was doing radical abundance and I got a client that evening who wanted to talk with me about the money issues. It was really amazing. Like That's- just even hearing the expression abundance you know, his eyes lit up. He's like, I need to understand that more because I'm doing stuff that's not working for me. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I think when we can provide a safe space to explore these things, um, there's so much that can come out of it. And one of the things that I always hear in workshops um, that I do, or when I work with people one-on-one is I thought I was the only one. I didn't know other people. And I think it's so beautiful to like have a setting where people come in and drop their egos and to the best of their ability and, and just really get into the authentic truth of who they are. Yeah. And obviously one of the things about the work that we've both been doing with radical aliveness is that in the group work, there's this powerful ability to heal each other's wounds, right? Because we're supporting each other. So when someone has an issue someone else can relate and there's a way that the work can help multiple people benefit from it without even realizing what's going on. So it really can be amazing. Yeah. And the thing that's exciting for me is I've worked with people that are millionaires and I've worked with people that are wanting to be millionaires (laughs) and I've worked with people that are, you know, making $20,000 a year and it doesn't matter the number of zeros after the one 
if you've got a belief system that's going to take you out, it's going to take you out. Yeah. And, and, yeah, that's true. and once you can get conscious and make intentional choices, you can have everything at your disposal. Sort of like the woman that was willing to toughly negotiate with you. How dare she? Um, yeah. But right. We can all do that. We can all advocate for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think this is going to be a lot of fun and really enlightening and, um, you know, obviously there's opportunity for deep um, emotional work to be done, but hopefully people will walk away feeling incredibly inspired and, uh, you know, have a much greater sense of enthusiasm and, and sort of ability to create what they want. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I'm super excited. And um, how can people find out about you? How can people find out about the workshop? But first you, where do we people? Where do we find Launch Warrior? So it's, um, my website is launchwarrior.net. Um, I am on Twitter and uh, as at L Cantor and um, launch underscore warrior. And on Facebook, same thing. Um, so people can find me, they can find um, Launch Warrior. We do have um, the event posted on Eventbrite. And, you know, so we would love to... Um, you know, have people join us. So, Well, I'm super excited. I'm looking forward to getting there to New York. We are about out of time. So I just, uh, for people listening, I hope you'll check us out. You can um, share the laughs. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you want to check out this wonderful event that's happening in New York, Radical Abundance, you can check out Launch Warrior, Eventbrite, The Money Nerve, and uh, check us out. And um, I'm looking forward. Uh, I'm the host of this wonderful podcast, Money You Should Ask. Until next time, thank you. Thanks, Bob.